Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke LaMastra. So pumped that you're here to catch this episode. And I was so blessed to have the opportunity to sit down again with Amy Davison. Amy is a biblical apologist and writer for Mama Bear Apologetics. She just recently co-authored a book called Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. And let me just tell you, in this book, they just go for it. And they deal with so many of the issues and challenges that are facing parents and leaders with children and, and, and young people and teenagers on really just helping them learn how to navigate the days that they're living in in this over sort of sexualized uh, society and culture that just seems to be going further and further in that direction. It becomes so important for us as parents and leaders to help our young people and children understand a proper biblical worldview and mindset so that they can tackle these issues and challenges that they're facing head on instead of just hoping that they're not exposed to things. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, they really just go for it in the book. So Amy and I just kind of went for it in this conversation. We talked about uh, just some of the things we talked about, sex positivity. We talked about pornography. We talked about some of the gender issues uh, that are going on in our world around us today. And we really had a great conversation. I super enjoyed it. I'm really excited that you're having this opportunity to listen to it. Amy just shared some incredible, incredible truth and wisdom and insight. She always helps me to think. Every time I talk to her, I feel like I leave just a little bit smarter. And she helps me to think more critically and to see things from a deeper perspective. And so uh, thank you so much for being here. If this episode blesses you or adds any value to your day, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, I would be super appreciative. Thank you so much. And now I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Amy Davison. All right, let's do this. Hey, Amy. Hey, Duke. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for coming back on the show with me. It's always awesome to see you and I always love our conversations. So thanks so much for being here. No, oh, not a problem. This is, I think your show is probably the, my favorite that I've that I've been on. So anytime we can come and chat, I'm like, yes, get to go hang out with Duke for today. This is awesome. You just made my day. I appreciate. Well, that. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Happy uh, Columbus no, Day. I, <laughs> oh yeah, same to you. <laughs> this is my favorite holiday by far. It's like the best, seriously, right up there with Flag Day. I mean, honestly, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely like the most relevant holiday for sure. I know. And, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for all the festivities. <laughs> I know the parades, the food. I mean, oh yeah, the I Columbus Day turkey. It's just, it's just, it's just incredible. It uh, really is. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it was Columbus Day until like 30 seconds ago when you told me that, and I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize it until I went to the post office. School today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's terrible. I mean, you love the holiday as a kid, right? Because you get out of school. But um, any other time of your life, you're like, it's kind of a useless holiday. So, or at least uneventful. So, it used to be my favorite thing. Like when I uh, when I went to Christian schools, it, it never happened. But when I switched over to public schools, we would we would have the day off back in the day for like Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, like wow. like some a couple of the Jewish holidays that um, yeah. Like I had nothing to do with, so there was no celebration there. It was just like a free day off, and I was always yeah. so grateful. Yep, <laughs> I always love like, that. Yes, so much. I love these. Yes, I didn't even have to do anything to get this day off. I know. Don't even know how to pronounce it right, but I get the day off. So hoorah! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I probably said it wrong. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're so sorry if I said it wrong. Um, but thank you, thank you for uh, thank you for your service in those free days off. I appreciate it. But anyway, Amy, <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. Um, I probably already said that, but 
but I'm pumped. I'm pumped for our conversation, our discussion. I'm really excited. Congratulations for the new book release, uh, yeah. Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. And I'm just uh, excited to dive into some of these things. But uh, you must be excited. I've been looking uh, just, just on Amazon. I know it's for sale in other places, too, but I've been looking on Amazon and uh, it's only been out for a few days, right? Five, six days. Yeah. And um, already like just tons of reviews, really great reviews. Um, five stars still at five stars, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, it's easy, but, but also like ranking high in a lot of the categories and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And so it's pretty cool. It's exciting. How do you yeah, feel about it? <laughs> I, it is. It's really exciting. It was so funny. Probably the, the coolest moment. So I've, I've been kind of like a writing nerd since I was a kid. Like I, I, always thought it would be the coolest thing ever to go into a bookstore and to be like, Hey, do you have this book by, you know, I'd say my name pretending I'm not that person. And I always like thought that it would be so cool if they said, okay, we do, but it's sold out or we do. And it's over there. And it was uh, kind of neat because um, the Wednesday before it was released, I was walking around our church and we have kind of a larger church. We've got a church bookstore and I just wandered into the bookstore and I wanted to see if our first mama bear book was in stock. And I went, and then there was the mama bear uh, guide to sexuality. They got an early copy and it was sitting there on the shelf. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is such a cool life moment to not only be able to see something that, uh, that I wrote and, you know, you see your name on the spine and everything there, but then to have it be at my own church's bookstore that the first time I got to see it, I was just like, this is so cool. And yeah, I went, I was such a nerd about it. I like called up my husband and I'm, it was terrible. I was like, I saw my book and I'm like tearing up and he's like, you have to teach a class. I'm like, I'm no, I'm trying to keep it together. And it was just, yeah, I was, I was a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so great. I, for real, it's ex it's so exciting, and um, and I'm excited because I know. R just remind me, what was the name of the book that we we spent a good amount of our of the t last time you were on the show that we that we talked about? It was um, the Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to. Oh it, yeah, Mom Bear. Our first Mom Bear Apologetics is just understanding culture and helping kids understand the lies that yeah. empowering your kids stand firm against this regular culture. So it was addressing all sorts of great issues, and we had so many great contributors like Elisa Childers, TC Cannon, and uh, you know, covering all these main topics like progressive Christianity, scientism. It was it was such a great book, and yeah, it's really been. It's been something that moms especially, but parents in general have been wanting because a lot of folks just don't have the time to read all these great sources. And so when you can when you can synthesize all of that and compile it together in a super accessible uh, book that has funny parenting stories from fellow parents who are trying to make it work and trying to do well, it's... Uh, it, it is. It's it is such a blessing. It's a way. It's almost like you're you're having a conversation with with each of these people, and uh, and that's what's so great about the chapters is it's this awesome um, conversation that you get to have to where you get to think critically about these topics and kind of flex your your thinking muscles a little bit, and then it also gives you the practical at the end of it to where okay, well here's how we can explain it to our kiddos. Here's uh, what we can pray about in there, and so it it's really trying to give this kind of whole person look of let's not just look at what the world says. Let's do it in as unbiased a fashion as possible, which can be hard even within the church is let's look at what they're actually saying. Okay. But what are the realities of this? Here's how the Bible speaks to this. And here's how to, here's how to tell your kids about it and to talk and raise up this next generation, which is so needed. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's awesome. And, and what I was going to say is that it's really become like a sort of like a standard in this area of of teaching and apologetics and training and uh i'm just i'm i'm excited i'm excited for for you guys so you co-authored 
right? This book uh, with with Hillary. Um, I don't. You you need to because I'm I know I'm gonna mess up her last name. So Ferrer for me. <laughs> Ferrer. Yeah, it's Hillary Ferrer, Hillary Morgan Ferrer. So yeah, we had we had a, a fun time. We basically spent all of COVID lockdown doing research and writing this book, and it was fun because there was even one point I think it was January to where we we because uh, she lives in Iowa and I'm here in Texas, so we got a uh, an air or an Airbnb. We had this whole little cottage here in in Texas. Um, I think it was like not Waxahachie, but it, it was somewhere. And oh, it was it was neat because we just got to have this little house and uh, she brought her cat. And we basically, you know, this chapter, the sex positivity chapter was a direct result of that little vacation. But yeah, you know, Jesus, coffee and Cheez-Its kind of made this book come together. And uh, and yeah, it was it was a it was a neat experience. That's awesome. That would have been that. That'd be a good title for your next book, Jesus Coffee and Cheez Its. Right, like how to survive, how to survive parenting, and and to write a book in the process. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um, that's the way to do it. I've wanted to do that so many times. Just like go and get away and yeah. just write for a weekend or a long weekend or 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 whatever. Um, I think that that's so cool when you can do that, especially when you're maybe even in like the finalizing stages and stuff like that, just to kind of go and get away from the normalcy of life and, uh, mm. and to have that, that sort of set apart time to, to really think and to think clearly and to get your thoughts out and stuff like that. So super cool that you guys had that opportunity to do that. Anyway, I just, uh, I would love to, I, you've been on the show before, which is why I didn't go through the whole, like, you know, typical introduction kind of a thing. But for the benefit of any of anybody who's watching, listening, that um, is not familiar with what we're talking about, if you would just take a few minutes here before we dive into some specifics of the book, if you would just share a little bit about who you are, um, what the mama bears are really all about, and then we can get into some other stuff. Yeah, so I'm Amy Davison. I am a mom who is an Air Force veteran, and I never expected to get into apologetics. That was a total God thing. I had always thought I was going to end up being a storm chaser, and instead I get to go and make a, a ministry of just helping other moms love God and love him with their minds and help their kids to do the same. So it's just been amazing. I got my master's degree at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in apologetics, and uh, upon graduating, I ended up connecting with Hillary and we just hit it off. We started doing podcasts together and writing. And so the Mama Bear Ministry is a great ministry of uh, of moms and people who do the momming of others. Uh, we, we joke Hillary doesn't have kids of her own, but she's kind of the mama bear of the mama bears to where she heads things up. And we've got Lindsay Medenwall on our team and a bunch of other amazing ladies. And we basically... We take apologetics topics, worldview topics, uh, culturally relevant issues that are happening in the news, and we we just write about them from a Christian perspective. And we a lot of the time we help people think critically about these. Lindsay does a great worldview series to where she addresses different worldviews from uh, LDS to New Age movements and how to have great conversation with people when you come into contact with them and how to share the gospel more effectively. And so it's just a really fun ministry to be able to, to reach out and help other moms like understand the faith a little better and give those practical tools on how to wield that armor of God a little more effectively and raise up our kids how we were supposed to, to be warriors of the faith. And one of the ways we do that is we tackle ideas and we don't tear down people. So the one thing that we really, we really yeah. kind of 
take an effort into is when we're addressing an idea, we're very careful to do it charitably and accurately as possible, but also without sparing the truth of it as well. So it really is that Colossians 4, 6 of salt and grace that's right in there is, yes, we're going to, we're going to love on you. We're not going to tear you down as a person, but we are going to address uh, maybe some problematic worldview issues. And so that is what our ministry is. And you can reach us at mamabearapologetics.com, just one big, massive word. And yeah, we've got, we have blogs, we've got audio files, we've got podcasts, we've got books, and we also travel around and speak. And so that is what our, our whole ministry is. It's just helping moms and parents in general. It, I mean, it could be youth leaders, it could be grandparents, dads, uh, we don't discriminate. We, we just help them all sure. to, to be able to love God and help their kiddos to love God as well. So good. Yeah, and I love that, and I love I love the focus there of being able to engage topics that are difficult and not shying away and cowering away. That's kind of we we talked a lot about that on on the last the last time you were on the show, episode four. So for anybody who didn't catch that episode, I would really recommend going back and checking that out because Amy shared some amazing just dropping truth bombs and just some truth. And uh, Amy always challenges me to think more deeply and to think more critically and i love that you do that i love even that that's the that that's a focus with um, raising children and raising teenagers and helping parents to help their children learn how to think critically and uh to be able to have these conversations about things that are not always easy conversations they're not always, they're not always fun they're often messy yeah. but whether we're engaging with our own family members or we're engaging with the world and engaging with culture whatever it is like if we just ignore the big important conversations and issues of the day, then we're not going to be any better off for it. We're going to be worse off for it. And we're actually, if we're talking about raising children and teenagers and stuff like that, we're going to be setting them up for failure. Um, one of the things that that stuck out to me that you said to me in the last episode when you were on, you said, if something is being marketed to your kids, then you want to be basically the first in line to talk to them about it. You don't want to be, you don't want to be quiet about that and naive and pretend like these, like our kids are not actually dealing with these difficult and challenging issues of the day, whether we're dealing with, you know, sex and sexuality, hookup culture, like these different things that kids are being exposed to at an early age. Yeah. We can pretend we can disconnect from those things and pretend like think that we're in some kind of bubble and like these things are not actually well, not my kids, you know, like yeah. pretend oh, that yeah. they're not actually <laughs> that they're not actually happening. But um, the truth is, like, if you are aware, if, if you as, as a parent or as a leader or whatever, like if you're aware that there there is a systematic approach to um presenting children at younger and younger ages with mm -hmm. material that is designed to shape them in a way that is completely unbiblical and to get them to think about things and 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 have access and be exposed to things at at ages where they're not equipped to even deal with it yet mm -hmm. and so as as parents and as leaders um, I just love the approach of let's let's just let's be upfront, let's be open, let's be honest, let's create the opportunity for dialogue and conversations, and let's attack these issues and these challenges head on, where we're not just you know, um, what is it like ignorance as a strategy, or we're not just yeah. using like let me just pretend these things aren't happening and using that as a, as a strategy because that's not a strategy. Um, yeah. And so actually helping our kids to be set up for success and learning how to engage in culture, but with a biblical um, mindset and biblical worldview. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and yeah, I love that you mentioned ignorance, because I think that's 
it's one of those things that often sneaks into our idea of shepherding our child's innocence. Like we, we want our kids to be innocent. I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent, um, probably people watching are as well. I mean, that's one thing we want, right? We don't want to have these conversations with kiddos. And years ago, back when we were kids, it was easier to avoid because it wasn't in their cartoons. And now it's like, it's right here, you know, it's such easy access. And so often uh, to try and maintain our kids innocence, we do default into ignorance and trying to put them in that bubble like we talked about before. And the bubble just doesn't work because if if they're outside your doors for any number of moments or hanging around any other kids to include Christian kids, they're going to get exposed to this stuff. And yeah, like you said, the especially the secular sexual agenda is working so hard to get kids at younger and younger ages because there's a, a psychologist who was watching, um, do you know about the Sesame Street, how they had the family day episode here not too long ago? It was uh, it was to show all different types of families. And so they had a, um, a homosexual couple with a child. It was two, two men. Um, with a child and it was presented very, very neutrally. It was just, oh, look, your family likes to cook. So does mine. Your family likes to dance together in the in the living room. So does mine. You know, it was just, oh, look, we're all the same. And one of the psychologists who was watching it, they said, oh my gosh, this is so great because we're able to, she said, kids are so accepting, especially when they don't have the any biases yet. And so this is so great when we can, we can reach them with their young because then they'll just accept it. And this is so good. And they haven't had those biases. And what she was referring to again, is the, uh, the religious influence of the parents, most little kids, especially Sesame street age kids have not been taught this stuff or they're not even actively practicing it. I'm not saying, you know, a three-year-old is going to be amazing at critical thinking. Um, but still, you know, the groundwork hasn't even been laid yet. And she was actually praising that. She said, oh, this is such a good thing. And she phrased it, I mean, so well to where it's like, oh, it's awesome. They're just going to accept it. But really, that's that kind of exposes the motivation of, of this agenda is if we can get them, it's, there's this great uh, drummer quote that says, get them while they're young and bend their mind. And that's exactly wow. what we're seeing happen is if we can get them young, if they haven't been taught to think well, if they don't even recognize it, they're just going to swallow it so easily and it's going to be there. And the church typically doesn't start talking until middle school and high school. So you can imagine from the time of bubble guppies, which bubble guppies had a drag queen on one of their shows, um, from the time of bubble guppies all the way to the time they're middle school, the world has been able to disciple your kiddo and you're just getting in the game at middle school. I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, something that we can't accomplish or that Christ cannot overcome. He can overcome all things, but there's going to be a lot more work involved if we if we wait. So yeah, we do. We want to be first in line because the world ours are is already trying to be there. Wow, something that you said on the the last time you were on, something that you said that I was actually unaware of is that the average age for you know children being exposed to things like pornography and stuff like that is like eight. I think you said. Yeah, and like, that's a, that's a general yeah. number. Yeah. 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 Like, cause I, I know for me and I, I probably brought this up, um, but I, um, I was unintentionally exposed uh, to pornography when I was nine. Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, it's just one of those things where as, as parents, I don't, I don't think you, a lot of times you don't really, you don't, you just don't know, you don't, you don't yeah. know. And you, and you don't know what's going Like I was, so like for me, I was at a Christian school mm-hmm. and we did not have cell phones like that was not a thing. And if we did, they definitely wouldn't have been able to access the Internet. Yeah, you would um, have had like snake. <laughs> and like, 
I had um there like there were kids that were bringing in you know mag like magazines like uh whatever mm -hmm. whatever they were with Playboy or whatever they were yeah stuff like that like into school and you know just kind of like seeing things that I didn't expect to see you know what I mean mm -hmm. and it does something it 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 changes you because it it makes you aware of something that you weren't previously aware of and now there's all these like questions and there's all these things that are going on in the mind of like a kid that isn't really you know supposed to be at that stage of life yet and um now now it's just i can't even imagine like everything is just so accessible like if if your if your child grabs your phone for eight seconds like they could already be discovering like you know some some pretty intense stuff so it's just um you know it's, it's just such because of the accessibility of everything that we have today, I do think that as parents, we we definitely need to be vigilant and, um, you know, be as aware as we can of what's going on. We're not going to be aware of everything. We're not going to be able to protect them and shield them from everything. So then, you know, I think being having that openness um, to create those conversations and discussions and dialogues in the home and in the church, I think, um, becomes so important. Do you remember? I don't know if I asked you about this last time or not. Um, just like. I think that the majority of this of as when we're talking about kids, the majority mm -hmm. of this of the weight of this, of, you know, having these conversations and and educating our children properly on sex and sexuality and stuff like this, uh, that the majority of that weight should fall on on the parents. But how much of, of that do you think should be taken care of in the church as well? I think it needs to be a regular discussion point because it was always an aspect. Um, I would, I would even argue it's even an aspect of faith uh, that, you know, this is all, a whole part of how God designed us. So it's something that the church shouldn't be shy about discussing because I mean, gosh, have you read song of Solomon? I mean, good night. You know, he wasn't talking about, you know, getting, yeah. getting fun in the produce section, you know, this, you, these were all metaphors and things. So these are something that it shouldn't be something that is taboo. It should be something that is regularly talked about, uh, within the church, because again, we need to be able to have these safe places to be able to wrestle with these issues and to not feel shy about asking questions. Cause I think for, uh, I think all kids have questions and I think a lot of adults have questions too. And we need that, that safe space to be vulnerable and to, to discuss things. And yeah, like you were saying, you know, the, the average age for pornography exposure, and this is low ball is, is eight years old. A lot of kids are a lot younger because again, you know, it's, it's easily accessible on phones. I mean, gosh, you can go into Walmart and most toddlers, if they're capable of holding a phone, most of them have a phone in their hand and they're watching mm -hmm. some sort of show. And a lot of kids' cartoons, um, there's not really going to be nudity in them. There is going to be a lot of LGBTQ uh, influences that's creeping in now. So you've got that coming in. But then for the older kids, you can't even go on Amazon and avoid it. So, I mean, and there have even been parents that have lamented to us to where, okay, we put blocks on our kids' phones and all this other stuff. But then it's once kids, their email gets out on these mailing lists, a lot of them will just have it completely emailed them, emailed to them. So not to mention, you know, you go on Netflix or uh, any streaming service and there's going to be stuff and even commercials nowadays are so hypersexualized to where it's mm. funny there uh, Carl's Jr had this had these car, or, um commercials for a while that had these women in scantily clad lingerie and they would be eating a burger and it's like it's so unnecessary but my son would be like oh my gosh i need the eye bleach and he'd like flip the control and and everything to a different channel and yeah, yeah. it's just it's one of those things to where it is so prevalent with culture now it's a punchline in every single sitcom to where 
we as a church, we need to be speaking about it regularly because the world already is. And so we need wow. to be that safe place. And there's so many, um, there's so many people within the church and not just church members, but even pastors and things who, because of early childhood exposure, they have become addicted to pornography, but now it's, it's closeted. They're, they're hiding it and they're absolutely terrified of their congregation or uh, their fellow pastors finding out about it and they're not seeking mm -hmm. help. And so this needs to be something that is regularly interacted with, because again, it's, it's an active struggle, just like, just like all temptations. Um, it, we talk about everything from, from drunkenness to holding our tongues. Uh, we need to be also talking about sex too. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as you were talking, one of the things I was thinking of, I, w I just wonder how often this happens. Like we have, my, my kids have tablets and stuff like that yeah. and uh, the video games. And so there'll be like child locks on them. So we, you know, me or my wife, we have to enter in a code before they can get into the tablet or, you know, whatever it is. And there's been times where for me, like my, my son has come to me uh, just multiple times, like, um, to enter in the, the code so that he can, you know, get to, you know, where he wants to get. And, and so, you know, I'll put the code in for him and then like, he'll accidentally log out and he'll come back and ask me to put the code in again. I wonder like how, how many times parents just get frustrated and they, they just don't want to do that anymore. So they're just like here and they just like unlock it and let them have it. You know what I mean? And, and so yeah. just like kind of, um, out of sight, out of mind, sort of where when, if, you know, kids having access to, you know, just having access to technology where like we see them and yeah, like you said, they're watching bubble guppies or they're watching, you know, whatever they're watching, like they're watching something that's not a big deal. But then, you know, there's always that that opportunity for something to slip through the cracks or for them to go to the wrong place or yeah. them to even become curious because they see an advertisement for something like, you know what I mean? That that, mm -hmm. that they don't even know what that's going to be, but then just going after stuff and it's just crazy. Yeah. Just, well, and how many yeah. of us parents do we have those locks on our own phone? Because I think of, of like my kids, you know, we, um, we sometimes we'll pass our phone to them. Like my, my son, he, uh, he doesn't have um, access to his phone, but he's got like a space game that that he's downloaded online to like have this rocket land on the moon. And it's okay. Wait, do I have the security features on my phone? Because yeah, you know, you can just hop on anything. Or gosh, I think I think the the easiest access is just TikTok. I mean, so many yeah. parents allow their kids to be on TikTok, TikTok but the thing nuts. is you can't filter TikTok like at all. I mean, yes, it will eventually sort of like, okay, if you're one of those people that love cat videos, right? And you keep harding the cat right. videos, it'll send you more cat videos, right? But it's still going to send you things that are inappropriate. And I, that's one thing, like whenever I see one of the little neighbor kids running around with TikTok on his phone, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I, I hopped on it one time. I did like one swipe up and, um, there were people in lingerie doing, doing dances for, for titillation and everything. And I'm just like, you, you can't block that stuff. So your little kid trying to look up their friends, singing fun little Disney songs, they're going to see that, you know? And so it's yeah. one of those to where, especially when it comes to social media access, you can't really filter that out. They've got great programs. Bark is one of them. That's really good um, to have on your phone and that sort of thing. But again, if they have any sort of access, not only can they see things, but then other people can watch what they're producing. And so there have even been moms um, that I've read about who have posted videos of like their daughter's gymnastic competitions, you know, totally neutral stuff to where right. there have been overseas pornography websites that have taken images oh, from those videos. Yeah. And now they're on the those sites. And it's, 
you, you, you just can't keep the world out, unfortunately. So you have to know how to navigate within the world. And that's how we were always supposed to do things too, is to be in it, but not of it and know how to navigate it healthfully. Um, and mm. yeah, it's, it's definitely more challenging nowadays because of how, how vulnerable social media and internet access has made us. Yeah. And like, man, like TikTok is a crazy one. Another one, another one is YouTube. And like you yeah. said, if you, they, they learn your tendencies. So if mm -hmm. you're watching a bunch of videos about cats or whatever, like you're, you know, they're going to keep showing you that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what they will also do, and I believe that they've actually cleaned this up, but, but, but what they'll also do is they'll send you stuff that people in your demographic are likely to also like, because their mm -hmm. goal is always to get you to stay on the thing for longer. Yeah. Than, social dilemma. You know, for, that. As, for as long as, yeah, the social dilemma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they want to get you to stay on there for as long as maybe that's where this, this thing I'm about to say, it might've come from there. Um, that so like w one thing that was happening was like with young girls like 12 13 14 year old girls mm -hmm. that would be interested in stuff like fitness and you know working out and things like that so that they would be doing that kind of stuff but then the algorithm was actually also sending them stuff that a lot of that they were that you know the algorithm is just what it is it's a computerized thing right so the algorithm the algorithm knows that girls that are in this age group that are interested in fitness typically they're also interested in stuff dealing with eating disorders mm. and things of that nature and so they'll 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 like a lot of girls that were not typically interested in those kinds of things now all of a sudden there's this new content that's coming out out after like coming toward them that's just right there that seems like it's in the same genre but now they're being exposed to an ideology that goes beyond yeah. just i'm interested in a fitness video and so I do think that there has been some work to clean up some of that kind of stuff uh, because it did get pretty malicious in certain things, especially with like teenagers and, and things like that, where stuff yeah. was um, if you're interested in this, you might also like this. But the mm -hmm. you might also like this is bringing you into another level of something that's uh, not going to be good for your mental health, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's really interesting when you look at it from a girl perspective and a boy perspective, like uh, how this how this market, how it, it markets that markets to them differently, but in this sort of cyclical, um, kind of the cycle of brokenness that you see. So girls from a young age are groomed to eventually perform. So it starts out really innocuously. Like when they're little, uh, I, I'm saying like five and under, the toys are pretty cutesy. You know, it's those little animals that are dressed up in the in the um, little clothes and they have the yeah. doll houses and things. But about the time your kid gets older than five, your girl gets older than five, if you look at the toys that are marketed to them, they're highly sexualized. I mean, I'm talking LOL surprise, brat stalls, um, the, the older LOL well dolls i mean these gals are dressed up like street walkers i mean i'm talking fishnet stockings mini skirts you know this very seductive makeup pouty lips all of this stuff to where girls are are being groomed uh they're in this observer role at first and they're saying okay this is what's pretty this is what's attractive even in girls cartoons they surveyed the 10 most popular cartoons for girls and they found that girls were in hypersexualized roles or even degrading roles in every single cartoon like multiple wow. episodes of trying to use their looks to get away with things or being pouty or you know or somebody was making an off comment to them and these were just um on little kids cartoon shows for girls and uh and so there the APA actually did a study for the the hypersexualization of girls because they saw this 
this as being a problem. And this went on for wow. 15 years. And it really, it, it sort of blew them away because yes, it's this strategic grooming of girls to where, okay, you know, here's what's pretty and attractive. And the girls are recognizing that they did a study on six to nine year old girls to where they gave them paper dolls that had, um, the only difference in these dolls were their outfits. You had one who was just like me, like just t-shirt and jeans, regular stuff. Um, and then they had a girl who was in like Daisy Dukes, crop top, the high heels, the pouty makeup. And they asked these girls who are six to nine years old, okay, which one's going to be most popular? And they picked the scantily clad girl. And they said, okay, girls, which one do you want to be as your ideal self? And they picked the gal who was dressed mm very scantily clad. So yeah. a lot of parents, we like to think, oh, you know, our little girl's too young for this sort of thing. And no, she's right. not. I mean, these are six to nine year olds who are saying, nope, this is how you get there. And then you throw into, as they start transitioning into later elementary, early middle school, the social media aspect. Now they're being groomed by the like button to where, as you mm -hmm. see in that, um, and that shows social media or the social dilemma is girls are are seeking that outside validation and then you throw in the filters so it's okay if i start acting like these girls i get more hearts like these girls and now all of a sudden you right. see that moral yeah. compromise yeah. which was portrayed so beautifully and by beautiful i just mean like in a broken sense in the movie cuties you had this normal girl who was you know playing jump rope what we would think of stereotypical girl behavior going all the way to the extreme at the end of the movie to not only seductive dancing but posting nude photos of herself on social media all for the attention that it brought and so then you look from the boys aspect which like you mentioned you were exposed um at eight years old well i'm sure you've noticed for video games once you get out of the minecraft stage all the gals are right. just very seductive and it's if you notice the girls uh in these older video games are dressed the same way as the dolls that are little girls are being marketed towards and uh and so the boys are now being presented with this is what beauty looks like this is your ideal beauty standard and not only that most girls in the video games and in the movies uh a, a common factor is sexual aggression to where there will be like oh they shove the guy against the wall and are making out with them that sort of thing so now the guys are thinking okay wait aggression is now a normal part of intimacy wow. and this is actually what girls want and so and the girls are now watching this and saying okay wait this is how i'm supposed to behave to be attractive to guys so this is how i have to wow. behave the guys are being told this is what you want and it's this awful cycle of brokenness that is just being perpetuated by culture and when a lot of these companies like lol um I believe it was Mattel that uh, was behind these dolls. They were like, okay, wait, why are you producing this stuff for young kids? And they just said, well, it's popular. And that's that's what it is, is we, we have this, I think as parents, we want to think that children's companies are going to look out for the best interests of our child. And, and that's false. That's absolutely false. Yeah. They're not. They're in it for the money. And uh, to put it very bluntly, they're in it for what's popular. And so they're going to help mold what's popular. And ultimately, they're in what what sells. And we didn't notice that um, our generation, especially 80s, 90s, we didn't really notice that because I think the world's understanding of sexuality and the biblical model were pretty were pretty similar. You know, most uh, shows had a mom, a dad and kids. And now culture has shifted. It has shifted to reflect exactly what we see. And so many people are shocked. And it, honestly, I think Christian parents, it, it kind of floors me a little bit how many Christian parents are surprised by this, but that's because they think, oh, well, if it's a children's company, it's out for my kid's best interest. No, they're not. They're out for your money um, mm -hmm. and they're out for whatever is going to keep the company going. And so they're going to go with culture. Culture is marketing this towards your kids. They're getting your kids hooked on it. And it is, it's just this awful cycle. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I think for parents that sort of helps parents not be so scared to have these conversations or to recognize these issues is to make them 
see that they're actually in a battlefield and not that they're in a battlefield, but that their kid is also in the same battlefield. And I think once we realize as parents that, wait a second, no, the world is not here to like Disney, uh, Pixar, all of those, they're, they're not here to, to nurture our children in the best way that we think is best. It's, they're just here to keep a company going and they're going to promote what the world promotes. Because again, all art reflects the worldview of the artist. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a bunch of secular artists, which wow. the majority of the entertainment industry is, is highly influenced by the secular folks, they're going to be promoting a secular agenda, especially anything that's popular and isn't being currently canceled. So it's, it's very important for us as parents to recognize that there is a battlefield, that we are in it, and so are our children. And you mm -hmm. cannot shepherd your children in the battlefield. You have to make them effective in the battlefield. And so we ha it's, the training has to start young because the world's already in it. Wow. 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 That's so good. It, the, that desensitization that occurs is, yeah. is just crazy too, because, um, it, like you said, it starts off so often as such a gradual thing. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, we could be unaware of things. Oh yeah. It's just a little toy. Like it's just some, it's just a doll. Yeah. It's just whatever. But what's actually taking place in that in that little girl or little boy's mind or you know whatever it is if it's the video game if it's the doll if it's whatever but like the, the change that's taking place in in the mind without them even realizing it too is just like this desensitization that's going on where these things become more and more normal mm -hmm. and to the point that you know even when we talk um one of the things that we planned on talking a little bit about today was um that, that's included in in the book uh, is the the pornography discussion. And so often, like, what happens is, you know, you'll just, you'll, um, when, when you're, when you're living for, like, self gratification, and mm -hmm. you and you understand that, like, you, you know, even even to this point, like you mentioned with the video games, mm -hmm. there's this thing that's taking place, like, okay, aggression and there's these girls in the video games that are you know scantily clad like we're talking about like grand theft auto whatever it might be yeah. and like you as the, the 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 dude that's running around like you have the opportunity to just take advantage of of women you know at at your you know what i mean they're just there they're at your disposal you can just kind of whatever and you're and it's a game it's a it's a fantasy but what is that doing to the mind of that impressionable child or teenager or even an adult who's playing that there's this desensitization that happens where you know now that just becomes part of the it's a piece of the puzzle like you said that aggression just becomes coupled in their mind with sexuality and what that's all about and so to the point where people now that um you know you're it's it's sort of like the natural progression that happens in our in in the mind of a person whose mind is not being renewed by the word of god it's this this downward spiral where it's like i need more and more things i need more and more intensity in order to satisfy that whatever that thing is whatever that that hunger is that desire that's yeah. on the inside of me that sexual whatever it is that that urge or whatever and uh and to the point where like that's that's why you know there's so many things that are in existence today that are you know so um intense and hardcore and whatever and more and more and more becoming a part of the natural or the what's considered normal in society. So, you know, getting a little bit into the conversation of um, of sex positivity, um, you know, I think that it probably started out from this 
thing of like there was for sure like this maybe maybe kind of combating against the whole like walk of shame mentality yeah. and like that double standard that existed between like men and women of like mm -hmm. men can brag about whatever you know sexual encounter or activity that they had but like women it was always like looked at as more of like a shameful thing or yeah whatever there's sort of like that double standard that existed to where sex positivity now it's like no don't be ashamed like do that have as many partners as you want and go after mm -hmm. this and like it's cool and it's so and, and it's just you know what i mean it's it's like the free love thing and um to where even that has been exploited to i think mean something else today than than how it started out but yeah uh but anyway i know that that's something that's that's discussed in the book so could you kind of explain a little bit about what sex positivity is and uh we'll you know kind of get into that conversation a little bit yeah, so you you touched on it really well. Is sex positivity is basically this movement that that tries to remove any and all shame from any and all sexual activity. So it it actually started um, and it, it's been around for quite a while. It's just kind of gone through a new re rebranding. So there's a lot of the early sexual rights activists, when you think of like Margaret Sanger, you know Freud, all of those, it was trying to it was trying to take sexuality away from God. And the only way you can do that is if you get rid of all the standards that God had around sexuality. And so again, they they sort of replace salvation and Jesus with sex and sexual expression. And so the way that you attain uh, attain salvation and wholeness is through sexual expression. Um, it's now like uh, we often hear of it, especially for guys, right? It's, you're always at, oh, it, it'll make a man out of you. Like, and, and it's funny, there was some show to where, yeah, it was this guy that was taking his 16 year old son to a brothel to make a man out of him, right? And that was always, it's now become a stage of development of you're not a whole person. And I think any show that has ever had a, a Christian character in it, they're usually a virgin and they're usually ridiculous. And that's often what they're made fun of is, oh, they're, you're, they're so bumbling. You're not a whole person. Like think of Clueless, right? Remember the big insult in Clueless? is you're just a virgin who can't drive it's like okay wait wait all right the can't driving thing yeah that's kind of a bummer but um since when did being a virgin now all of a sudden mean i'm less than a person and uh and it is it's just sort of this viewpoint of the and uh, nadia boltz weber a, a lot of uh she refers to it within her church um as this is just a way of, of growth and development like this is how you become a more mature adult and even in this there's a show called atypical and uh, the the two lead characters in there, like the big thing she was excited for is from them to have sex. And now that's what made them an adult and not like play, paying taxes or holding right. down a job or being, you know, that's not that's not being an adult. It was the fact that they had sex that made them an adult. And so mm -hmm. sex positivity is this again, it's trying to take away any structure um, that is bound around sex. So if you um, if you're in a relationship and you want to be a swinger, totally good. As long as consent, there's two big components in it, consent and pleasure. Um, Nadia Boltz-Weber likes to throw in kindness too, um, to say that you're being thoughtful of another person. It's okay. You know, that's fine. Um, she can toss that in there. It doesn't work. But uh, so consent and pleasure are, are big things. As long as you and your partner are consenting to it and it gives you pleasure, then it's good. But the problem is, is you can consent and get pleasure from all sorts of awful things. Our prisons are full of people who have done just that. Uh, so mm -hmm. consent and pleasure cannot be a basis of morality because consent only says what you're agreeing to. And pleasure just says that it gave you pleasure. It doesn't say whether something is good or right. Um, but that's, again, they're trying to take away God's standards. They have to put a replacement in its in its spot, right? Because it can't. there can't be a vacuum there. So they have to put something in there. And so they've put consent and pleasure. And interestingly enough, the only way to be sex negative, and it, it's funny, that, so there's um, 
apps on your cell phone that uh, women download for tracking menstrual cycles. And so they'll have health articles, things like exercise and that sort. So they're, you know, innocuous stuff. And how I found out about it was through one of those articles. And it said that the only way to be sex negative was to believe in heterosexual monogamous uh, sex. That. That's the, okay. that's sex negative. So the Christian, the Christian viewpoint of sex, that's sex negative. Everything else is sex positive. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, wait, hold know. on. Oh, I'm sorry. What? I just said good to know. I know. There you go. So there you go. It's, it's very easy to understand. Sex positivity is, the, um, yeah. If, if you are, if you believe in heterosexual monogamous sex within marriage, um, you're sex negative and sex positive is everything else. So, uh, at most, like the, the best thing they give us is, uh, our, that sex is called vanilla sex. So it's like, okay. you're just the standard flavor, you know, the, the rest is, you know, all the, all the fun flavors with the sprinkles and the rainbow colors. That's, you know, that's everybody else. Um, but cisgender sex is, that's, that's the vanilla, that's the sex negative. And so, mm. yeah, it's, it's funny because it, it's how it's being marketed in cultures. Oh, this is how we find your freedom is just going out and this is how you gain development. This is how you know yourself. It's being argued as, okay, this is how to, how to know yourself more deeply. Um, this is how you're able to grow and to mature is through having multiple sexual partners. You shouldn't feel guilty from it. And yeah, some of it does stem from, like you pointed out, those sort of biased double standards, right? If a guy sleeps around, he's a stud. If a girl sleeps around, she's a right. slut. And, and it's funny because so what you quoted there was actually quoted by um, one of the producers for that awful B song WAP. And she said the, the main reason why they made that song was to let, level the sexual playing field. They said it's not fair that guys can sing about this and rap songs and all of their sexual escapades and slapping around the women. They get to sing about it, but us girls can't. So we're instead of saying, OK, wait a second, maybe what the guys are doing is super broken and messed up. They just said, wait, no, to be equal, we got to be just as messed up. And it's like, oh wow. my gosh, come on, folks. So yeah, we we discussed that in the book. Um, in fact, that was that was the, the main chapter that came of our our little um, camp out that we had for writing this book. Is I I just sat down there. I'm like, okay, what is sex positive? And went and diving in and just boom, busted it out. And yeah, so it's the only thing that really matters is pleasure and consent. You're not allowed to judge anyone. So that's a, that's a huge thing. Is you cannot say that anything that anybody else does is wrong. That's also another sign of, of sex negative. So if you hear, if you have a friend who says, oh yeah, I, I looked up some guys online, never met them before, um, and went on Tinder, found a couple guys, slept with a few guys this weekend, you know, how was your Sunday? Uh, you can't be like, whoa, that may not be a good idea. That's you being sex negative. You're not allowed to say that. Same with um, if you have a married couple and they want to bring in or even, you know, a, a third person in, fourth person you know, it, you can't, if you advise them, Hey, that that's probably not good for your marriage. That's not good for your health. Um, yeah. you're being sex negative. So there's an active, uh, there's an active component within sex positivity to deprogram yourself as if you're coming out of a cult. So you not only have to, um, silence your inner conscience, you actually have to completely shut down the Holy spirit whatsoever or, or altogether. So, um, and the Holy Spirit is leading you in conviction to saying, no, you know, sleeping around uh, with a bunch of girls is not appropriate. That's you being sex negative. That's the Holy Spirit being sex negative. So you need to not listen to the leading of God. And wow. another big thing is there's there's no taboos, which 
you know, in some ways we can say, okay, this is a good thing because there were some teachings, especially within strict fundamentalist sectors that basically if, if you, especially as a woman, if, if you got any form of enjoyment from sex, you, you were sinning. So they, they sort of overcorrected and now said, okay, well, anything you do with sex is now okay. So they're trying to take away the taboo. So again, it's not finding, okay, wait, where has maybe the church gotten things um, wrong? It's no, let's go swing the complete opposite direction. Let's do a total 180. And, uh, and so now we have no more taboos. So you can do anything. But um, again, this is really problematic because it, it not only denies um, medical science to some degree, because now we have this, this movement of, well, let's have safer sex. They don't call it safe sex anymore because they realize safe sex isn't, isn't possible. Um, they, they're, they call it safer sex to where it's okay. You know, you, you need to get regularly tested. You need to be active because you know, you are having multiple partners and they kind of downplay the result of not just STDs, but the emotional fallout. Um, right. from having multiple partners. They they almost reject the um, the emotional side of things. In fact, a lot of articles within Teen Vogue and, um, oh gosh, there's another teen um, magazine, like even Cosmo, there's Cosmo for teens too. Uh, they'll tell kids that, okay, you know, it's one of those things, it's like a muscle you have to work at. You may feel bad having, you know, one night stands here and there, but with enough practice, those feelings start to go away. And this is what's being presented to kids is, okay, you know, these feelings and convictions are actually something you need, just need to sort of work out. You need to numb yourself to, and instead go for what brings you pleasure. Uh, because this is, again, part of your development. This is part of your freedom. And yeah, it's, it's overall, it's, it's healthy. Uh, they, they do say that, yes, there's an increased risk of STDs. In fact, Planned Parenthood came out with a video to where one of the the heads of Planned Parenthood said, "Okay, uh, guys and gals, you know when you um, when you become a teen, you just kind of need to accept the fact that you're going to get an HP or you're going to get HPV." I mean, she just said, "Oh, just accept it. This is what you're going to get." It's like, when did STDs become a life goal? Like, this is should not be a stage of development that we encourage kids to go through. But again, it's one of those things of they're having to acknowledge that there are implications for their actions, yeah. um, for our actions. Um, and they're, but they're just trying to downplay it as much as possible because again you you want to present it in a positive light and so yeah it's just it, it it's it's really sad but it's also really attractive because again it gives this false view of freedom of i can do whatever i want there are no rules um and but it also lies to the existence of uh, of objective truth too because here we're saying okay anyone can do what they want but, and there are no rules, but the only rule is you can't judge. So wait a second, we're denying objective only to affirm an objective as long as it benefits us. This doesn't work out, folks. And uh, and then, of course, downplaying the psychological, there's a great book called Unprotected that really exposes the brokenness, especially among college campuses, because, I mean, college campuses, right? That's kind of where everybody sort of loses their minds a little bit. Um, and it the especially hookup culture within college campus campuses are leading to so much brokenness among today's youth that yeah there's increase in depression drug and alcohol consumption in fact most teens who participate in hookup culture especially the girls have to get themselves drunk first otherwise they're not going to be able to perform they can't deal with it emotionally and uh it's just like wait a second this is there's so much brokenness here why isn't anybody speaking into it but because it's popular because it's what's perpetuated in so many tv shows especially t shows geared toward kids that they just think oh this is what life is 
And they don't recognize, wait a second, no, this is the secular sexual worldview. It's very popular because unfortunately, Christian media hasn't really picked up a lot of steam yet. Like we really need good, solid, and I'm not saying like the corny, you know, leave it to, well, I like leave it to Beaver actually, but um, you know, those corny presentations, uh, we need some realistic Christian uh, views of how we can function as adults without being so consumed with this you know, overt sexual expression, because even in the TV shows, they, they downplay pregnancy. Pregnancy is something that can be taken care of with abortion. They downplay the reality of STDs. Mm. Most people aren't even using condoms in any of these shows. So this is not a healthy sexual worldview at all, but because it's popular, because it's glamorized, because it's what the Hollywood stars are doing and the people in their ear pods are singing about kids think this is just what life is. And no, there's a completely other life out there. Sorry, I feel like I rambled. <laughs> <laughs> you did not ramble at all. Um, it, that was that was all just really, really good. And uh, the uh, your perspective on this is is just um, it's awesome, and I, I really do appreciate it. I I appreciate what you were saying, sort of toward the end there about um, you know just basically being taught that or groomed by the secular ideology that says that this is just the way that it is so just you know mm-hmm. suck it up get used to it like these are just some they're, they're you know they're just like it's just minor of, speed bumps yeah part of the package yeah uh, just as you're talking i'm just thinking about well yeah that's why god designed it to exist mm-hmm. in uh in a particular context you know that's why yeah. um he created he created sex. He created us as, you know, he created us with sexuality. He created us with a sex drive. He, he, he made us to, um, this, you know, this thing that exists for procreation, but also for mm-hmm. enjoyment, you know, he designed us that way. So it's not supposed to be taboo. It's not supposed to be something that we're just supposed to stay away from or shy away from, or like, ah, my virgin ears, like, don't talk to me about that kind of thing. <laughs> But we are supposed to understand the right context because in the right context, it's amazing and does mm-hmm. not involve all of these unintended side effects and all of these unintended consequences. Uh, like, like I, I can't tell you how. I, well, I can tell you because I'm sure you, you know. Like, it's, it's the, it's amazing to know that, like, um, you know, with, in the context of my marriage with my wife. Like we have freedom and we have zero worries, zero concern mm-hmm. about like, what if we get an STD? Like that doesn't exist. There's no, yeah. it does not exist. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, it's vanilla, as you say, <laughs> according to uh, I know. According to the ideology, because it's just, it, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. it's, it's awesome, you know? And, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's not this, uh, this thing where, you know, we've got to, Anytime that you have to build all of these like parameters around something to make people feel okay about it, it should probably tell you that there's something inherently uh, flawed in the in the ideology of of what's going on there. And um, the truth is that God has um, he wants us to be absolutely free. And the way to be free is not just to pretend that that uh, consequences don't exist. The way to be free is not to just let a, let go of all inhibitions and and just do whatever makes you feel good in the moment. No, mm-hmm. freedom is not just what feels good in the moment. Freedom is about like, how am I building a better life for myself? What are the long-term lasting benefits and the fruit of what I'm doing right now, the decisions that I'm making today? Because you know all these decisions that we're making 
we can look at it and we can say, well, th this is just, it's for my benefit. It makes me feel good. It's what I like to do. Okay. But in the process, are you hurting yourself? Are you hurting mm -hmm. other people? Are you, um, going down this, th this path that's leading you into things like, like you mentioned, like with alcohol and substance abuse and things like that. And so maybe, um, you touched on it, but maybe, uh, talk a, a little bit further about, what some of those like unintended consequences are that sort of stem from this way of, of life and thinking and that kind of comes as part of the package of, you know, the sex positivity movement. Yeah. So again, it's, it's completely, it's trying to take sex out of any sort of bounds within God's realm. And I think that's, I think that's kind of one of the one of the problems that we saw even within purity culture. Their their goal was to stop people from having sex, right? It's like sex outside of marriage is inappropriate. Let's stop people from having sex outside of marriage. And what they don't realize is that this agenda isn't about having people have sex. This agenda is about taking it completely away from God because we are made in the image of God. And it is only through one man, one woman separated from their parents, joined together in holy union. Do they become one flesh? Only that is representative of God and his relationship to the church, right? So it's trying to take all of that away. So it's not, I think one of the best things we can do is to understand sex is it's not an action. It is an expression of an entire worldview. And you actually see the implications of this worldview when you look at the sex positivity movement. So again, it gives this false view of freedom because then anything goes, right? You can do whatever you want with whomever you want with as many whips, lasso, sex dungeons that you can come up with. Uh, the problem is, is okay, wait, but what are those actions saying? And that's the thing is nobody's, they're not encouraging thinking about this issue. They just want you to react and again, gain this pleasure. So it gives this false view of freedom, but there isn't any freedom there. It's only in bondage. And I'm sorry, there are, we have a small town. So whenever anything happens, the fire department goes and like everybody flies out. They're so excited. Okay, I think they're gone. Um, sorry about that, folks. Uh, small town life. Um, but really, so when you think about it, a great way to think about it is if you can do anything you want with something, it has no value. So a, a perfect example of this is a paper plate. You can do whatever you want with a paper plate and nobody is going to freak out, right? You can draw on it. You can cut it up. You can put a big thing of lasagna on it like the commercial shows. It's just a paper plate. They're trying to equate the human body as a paper plate. You can do whatever you right. want. You can sleep with whomever you want. You can do whatever you want to your body with however many people. But what is that actually saying? It's saying that you as a person have no inherent value. And in fact, your your only value is, is in if you can bring pleasure to yourself or if you're gaining pleasure. So there's immense brokenness. Again, you see increased rates of suicide, depression, alcohol and substance abuse, just this whole disenchantment with the world. And then few, uh, further on down the line, especially with hookup culture, what that does is so when two people have sex, right, uh, you have these um, chemicals that secrete in the brain uh, called oxytocin and uh, oh, I'm just blanking on it. I just had it. Uh, it's, it. There's a guy version too. So you've got oxytocin and this is released within the human brain. The female brain actually releases this too when she's nursing a baby to promote bonding within the baby. It's also promoted between the husband and wife together. So uh, the guy has a very similar chemical 
it starts with a D and I'm, I'm just blanking on it right now because I'm on the spot. And this actually promotes not only bonding with the wife, but also bonding with the children. So it's, it's this great design. God's design is absolutely amazing and it helps nurture a family together, but it's total brokenness and chaos when you have it outside of that design, because here you have these bonds that are forming and breaking, forming and breaking. And it causes, it is so funny to say, especially to teens, but it causes literal brain damage to where now uh, people who are finding, especially with pornography use and frequent hookups, they're finding that they have difficulty actually bonding with the other person. And in fact, it, it's so prevalent to where you'll hear TV shows, uh, they often make fun of whoever's getting married as like, oh, wow, you're only going to sleep with one person for the rest of your life. And it's yeah. it's become this joke. But really what that is, is, is it's an exposure of their own brokenness. What they're saying is oh, the idea of being with only one person for the rest of my life. I, I can't even fathom that being good because again, you, you need that, oh, that maybe that excitement from the first time from somebody new. And it, it really is just an exposure of their own brokenness. So yeah, you just see mm. this worldview that's meant to be positive, but you're seeing it not only causes a, an increase of depression, suicide, alcohol, substance abuse, but also limits their ability to have uh, a lasting marriage and be able to find love in that marriage. You know, you this whole wandering eye that you see so many happen, or it's happened so often in, in TV and everything else, the shows of guys, you know, getting distracted by girls or girls going out for a night on the town to kind of, you know, flirt with other guys. Like it, this is all said to be normal, but no, this is actually the, the fallout of a very broken worldview. And you can see that from it. So here you, with the biblical standard, when you look at it and you see, okay, we're, we're told in scripture to be nurtured by the breasts of, of the lover of one's youth. I mean, that's your, your wife from the first time is supposed to be nurturing for that. And that's, that's the result. But then here you have the biblical world or not the biblical, the secular sexual worldview. And the fallout is just, it's brokenness. Now I'm not saying wow. there aren't like it's brokenness for all people. Some people are totally fine living out a Dorian Gray lifestyle, but just because they're okay with it doesn't mean that it's good. Uh, we have to look at, okay, what actually is good. And for that, we can only find in the biblical worldview. Wow. Yeah. I love that too. Like one of the, one of the um, things that you write about in your book, I think it's actually one of the earlier chapters and, and it's, it's title is sex is spelled W O R L D V I E W, right? Like sex is spelled worldview. Yeah. And um, I love that point. That's such an important thing because um, you know, the, the way that we were created and designed by God and he created this thing called sex that exists, you know, in the context that he created it for. And it's wonderful. But like now it's gotten to the point where, you know, sex, sex and sexuality has, you know, we've labeled it an identity. You know, mm. it's been labeled yeah. by culture and society as an identity. Like this is this is what I this is what identifies me as a person. But then even taking that to another level to say, this is how I identify myself with mm -hmm. with this. And yeah. uh, to the point where, you know, we can kind of pick and choose and we can change it as we feel, you know, fit and, and all that kind of, or, you know, change it as we see fit. Um, but, you know, and, and it's it's where it's just kind of become anything goes. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, even just talking um, on, on the sex positivity, how that in and of itself has really been exploited by <laughs> like the entertainment industry, the pornography industry. It's been exploited to this point where I think like sex positivity, as you're talking about, has become 
like a scapegoat. It's become something that it's like we can label it sex positivity and it gives us permission to just kind of push the envelope further and further and further. And we see that in so many aspects of society that that's always what's happening. Like, let's just let's just keep pushing it further and further. Let's keep blurring the lines. Let's keep making it more and more, you know, confusing to the point that nothing can be labeled as anything anymore. And Mm -hmm. To where like this is just, um, you know, it, this is the the normal life that uh, has sort of, you know, developed around us over time. But things can become more and more, um, more and more, you know, vulgar things can become sanctioned mm-hmm. in the name of something like this, something like sex yeah. positivity. You can't judge me. You can't you you, you you can't judge me. You can't whatever, because this is how I identify. This is this is right. my identity. And so it's made it basically like almost not impossible but difficult to to speak out against these things and it's not even just it's not even just christians there's all kinds of people out in the world that are you know speaking out against this kind of stuff too because they understand things like you're saying that just scientifically and biologically there are issues and there are challenges associated with this kind of thinking where you know we think we can just go further and further and further down the rabbit hole but you know you're not paying attention to the fact that there really are you know biological consequences and mental consequences and long-term you know issues and things like that that can develop and as you said, I think by and large, we just sort of ignore those things. Um, but yeah. we're being exploited. People are being exploited by an ideology. Yeah. You know, this this might be too. I don't, I don't I don't know. I think that even when we start talking about the whole like um, um, like gender mm-hmm. um, issue today and with like transgenderism and, uh, you know, like kids dealing with you know things like gender dysphoria and to the like this the the it's it's at the point where like the medical community you know not not all across the board but there are those in the medical community that are like encouraging you know children that have um gender dysphoria that don't feel that that you know that feel like they're they came out as the wrong sex or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that they don't, yeah. they don't feel like they're, they can properly identify with their sex as male or female. And so they, they want to change, but like how things like this are being sanctioned for, you know, whether we're talking about children, teenagers, or even older people as well of, okay, well, you shouldn't have to deal with that for a second longer. So let's just start the process now to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, children are being put on like puberty blockers and things like yeah. that, that stop the natural process of their growth and development so that they can change genders. And I think that so much of that is coming from a place of, of greed, of exploitation, of, you know, because there are, there's pharmaceutical companies and there's the medical community that is profiting greatly off of the people. I mean, someone who, who, um, is, transgender who who changes from one sex to another um, is going to be on medication for the rest of their life Um, they're going to be probably it's probably going to be for someone that does it young and that lives to in old age it's probably going to be millions of dollars that pharmaceutical companies are going to make off of a person's life and so i just think that there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes where people's emotions people's mental state people's whatever is being exploited 
you know, in, in these different ways. So I don't know. I didn't really mean to go down that route. That was just sort of an example that kind of came into my mind of how, you know, we think that we are as a society, we think that we're moving in a good direction, but we don't realize, yeah. like even going back to what we talked about with the social dilemma, that there are people that are profiting off of the decisions that we're making and, mm -hmm. you know, these things that we're doing in our lives. And, you know, I think that that's at least part of what's behind a lot of this stuff, pushing it and driving it is that, uh, you know, we're, we're like yeah. giving giving up control or giving up freedom but it's in a way that's being manipulated by by people you know on another level that we don't really fully understand i think a lot of times yeah and i gosh there's there's so much of what you said that that could totally be um unpacked and you're absolutely right any any worldview that places the sum total of your identity on something that can be lost or changed, it, it's not good grounds. You can't have that be the source of your identity. Because again, what happens when that change or you lose it? It's lost. Uh, I mean, I had um, a, a set of, I saw this in beautiful craziness with a bunch of uh, sixth to eighth graders, girls who, um, there was a band a while ago called One Direction. And uh, they were diehard fans of this band. I, I didn't know what it was. I came into class one day. I was teaching their um, their history co-op class and they were all sobbing. And I was like, you know, I was thinking somebody died, right? Because why else would people be crying? And uh, one of them spoke up. She finally cut her breath. She goes, Miss Amy, One Direction broke up. And I'm like, girl, I've got a Waze app. We can find other directions. What's the issue? And she goes, no, Miss Amy, it's a band. And it wasn't a band. It was a boy band and not even right. a boy band, a British boy band. So which is like the worst. Um, they had based so much of who they were on this band that when this band broke up, they had a complete existential crisis in my class for weeks. It was like the craziest thing I've ever witnessed. Um, and and But it just exposes how, wait a second, when we have an ideology that bases the sum total of your identity on something that can be changed or lost. You have immense problems. You are on sand that you're building your foundation on sand. And so much of that ideology, um, because there is a genuine thing, there is gender dysphoria. We're not denying that that does not exist. It doesn't exist to the extent that it's currently happening. Uh, statistically speaking, it's jumped up uh, like 400% just within a matter of years. It's not like all of a sudden these people are realizing, especially among girls, there's a great book called Irrevo Irreversible Damage um, that talks about especially how transgenderism is impacting girls, especially because they are more likely to go along with the crowd. They're finding cluster cases to where if one of their yeah. friends suddenly identifies as transgender, now all of a sudden all right. these other girls are, and these parents are feeling like they their child has been whisked off to a cult because now they have no say in the matter because now they can go to public school health teachers um, or the nurse or they can go to Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood now can administer um, puberty blockers uh, without the parent's notification or consent. Um, and so here you've got this, this whole movement that yes, there, gender dysphoria exists, but there is also a very real ideology behind it too. And it is about control and it does about power and money as well. It's a huge business. I mean, there have been articles that have, that have come out. Um, I'll see if I can find it. I can send it to you just about how the money behind the pharmaceuticals is just huge. Because like you said, mm. that it is not just a, okay, you put on a few puberty blockers, have a vasectomy or whatever, and then you're done. No, this is right. lifelong. You are on these chemicals lifelong. Not only that, you have an increased risk of various cancers that you would not have had before. So now you've got treatment and preventative for that, that you have to be on watch for. 
uh, not only that for any of your surgeries, your body needs to be, um, you need to be having care for that as well. So huge immense in it. And most, uh, most counselors nowadays have to counsel from a, an affirming standpoint. In fact, they cannot actually do this sort of wait and see method anymore. That's actually considered a hate crime to where you have to not only affirm, but you yeah. have to say, okay, what's the next step for your kid? And there have been studies to where they are trying to actually put um, chemicals uh, within children as young as two. They're saying, and because there was this boy, he was called um, Drag Kid. Uh, um, and he, what it was is when he was two years old, his parents had um, RuPaul's Drag Race on the TV. And so he started imitating what he saw on the television, you know, just like most kids do. Well, his parents said, oh, he's transgender. Or he is, he's at least, well, not the transgender, it's he's uh, wants to be drag. You know, he's right. two. He wants to be drag. And uh, and so now they have nurtured this child. He's he's um, gosh, I think he's like 12 now to where he, he's been groomed to where he was the one that there was a news article that came out a few years ago to where he was the boy that was dressed in drag dancing at a, a, a gay club. And they were like throwing $1 bills at him and stuff. He wants to start a, a drag club for kids to where you can dress in drag and go to these clubs. But here's an example of a child who... Um, at, at age of two, developmentally, they're not capable of comprehending strict gender stereotypes, no. let alone their own gender, let alone to, enough to say, okay, I want to be something else. Um, or even to the very basic point of, oh, I want to dress in drag. He's two. You know, this is just behavioral mirroring, which is a normal process that all kids go through. This is why little girls stomp around in dad's shoes or little boys stomp around in mom's shoes because they they see dad or mom wearing it. They like the clicky sound. It's fun to wear this stuff. Um, even my boys, when they were little, they would come into the bathroom some, and, oh, mom, what are you doing? I'm putting on makeup. Can I put on makeup? No, this is this is just for girls. Or, you know, it was no big thing. It was, oh, no, you know, we're, we're not putting on makeup. You, I mean, you're, you're a little kid. You don't even need makeup. Um, right. And so it's one of those things to where now we're taking normal things like behavioral mirroring and saying, oh, wait, no, these are early markers. And then especially within transgenderism, it's based on strict gender stereotypes to where if you are a girl, you have to dress in this way. This is why uh, in any of those drag shows, it's always a, a very over the top view of femininity, right? Like it's never just like, they don't look like me when they're on these shows. No, they've got like massive, it's like they're all from the South. It's like they have massive hair and like, you know, the big boobs and the wide hips and everything's very uh, over the top. Again, it's just this, right. this hyperized view of what femininity is. And, uh, and so you have to have these strict gender stereotypes to be able to operate within this ideology, because if you have a strict, okay, this is, this is only what guys are supposed to look like or act like, or think like, and this is only how girls are supposed to act, look, and think like, well, then if you have someone who's like, okay, well, I'm a girl, but like from my own experience, I'm a girl, but I'm, I'm not really into the frou-frou stuff. I like climbing trees, playing in mud, building forts, going on adventures, um, that was just being a tomboy. That was just normal stuff. Now it's, oh, wait, you know, you actually don't fit within the girl paradigm. You fit more in the boy. So maybe you should start considering that you might actually be a boy. And there are people who are completely manipulated by this. And one of the biggest things that's that's so harmful is these puberty blockers that are out now is they say, okay, well, this gives a child more time to sort of accept who they are. Because again, depression and um, starting to... Uh, feel like you might be transgender they're they're very closely linked like it's they they happen very often and often at the same time but uh so they think okay well if we transition then that's going to help and if we put on puberty blockers that's going to help a child uh figure out if they really are 
transgender or not, but unfortunately puberty is a, plays a big role. Most kids, I believe the latest study was 80 to 90% of kids who actually have these feelings that they might be the opposite gender. It goes away by the time they're in their late teens, like 19, it goes away 80 to 90%. But the key component is that is being able to go through puberty because again, your whole chemical makeup is changing during puberty mm -hmm. and these feelings that kids may have they go away, they come to accept. But the, again, it's it's this focus on weight. If we don't let them uh, transition, then they're going to be more depressed, suicidal, that sort of thing. Yes, right. those are very right. real components and they're right. very real needs. But transitioning folks, they still have those same increase, like right. three times the rate of depression and suicide. So it's not the transition that helps. We have to look at those other factors. And so, and that's one thing that's so difficult, especially within that is a lot of even physicians aren't able to interact with both sides. It's no, once once a child comes in and says, this is how I feel, okay, now we have to go and say, okay, well, how do we get you there? They can't say, wait a second, there might be other things at play. Let's look at everything from all aspects. And, you know, we need to, and even within the church, like I think of biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, so often that can be very rigid. Like biblical womanhood, right? Is if you have those like little dress outfits and like when I was a kid, you had the shoulder pads and you, you you worked in the bake sales, right? Or maybe in the children's nursery. That's like the sum total of biblical womanhood. And nowadays, biblical manhood is like, you're basically like the male version. You're like the brawny man, right? If, if you're yeah. plaid, you got to love football and Jesus and everything else. Yeah. No, no. Biblical manhood is just as much baking in the kitchen as it is, you know, building something, you know? So I, we need, even within the church to sort of break down these gender stereotypes and say, no, 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 you know, there are you can still be just as much of a biblical woman and being active in, in uh, a variety of roles just as you can a man. And gosh, look no further than the Bible. You've got Deborah who was at the edge of battle. You had um, Jael who like spiked a guy's head. I mean, there is nothing more, more tough than that. And then you had for the men, David was hanging out with sheep playing a flute. Like, come on, folks, that's not very manly in today's standards, but we need this. We, you know, we need to be able to, to help people understand that there is, there's, there's flexibility, there's range within gender. You can still be a female and like things that are stereotypically guy. Sure. Um, you can be a, a male and have more uh, feminine traits. And, and yeah, it's, it's problematic that we, that we don't see that. In fact, um, it was really interesting because Demi Lovato, right? She just came out as non-binary. And one of right. the things that she said as her testimony that she was so frustrated with is not only working with Disney, but um, I believe she sings too. She was always dressed up by her stylist in this very hypersexualized way. I mean, like skin tight leather, high heels, you know, low cut shirts, and she hated it. And so, but it, it, it was just kind of sad to me because when she was explaining this, she was like, so now I'm identifying as non-binary. It's no, you're, you're recognizing this hypersexuality that you're, you're not into that you don't like, but you don't lose your, your feminine, you, the fact that you're a girl, you can just, okay, I'm not going to wear the skin tight outfits and things. I'm still very much a girl. It's again, it's, she recognized that there was a problem, but then there was this huge overcorrection of now I'm getting rid of uh, being a girl altogether. And, and now I'm non-binary. I'm neither identifying as male or female. As, no, you can still identify as female and not be, you know, somebody's fantasy, uh, dressed up like somebody's fantasy. You know, it's just, it's so broken. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's unreal. I mean, it's it's really unreal, some of the stuff, you know, and, and none of this is coming from, just for anybody listening to this, watching this, whatever, like, like none of this comes from a place of hatred or judgment or condemnation or, or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I've heard, 
I've heard transgender um, men and women, you know, talk about how they're completely against this entire thing. It's not it's not yeah. like this is some movement that, you know, it, it's just like transgender people leading of like, let's let's turn more and more kids into, you yeah. know, let's 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 get more and more kids to transition. No, like so much of this is, again, just it's being exploited um, mm -hmm. by people that have a different agenda. You see you know, that with like, the identity claims too, because if they can claim it as an identity, then all of a sudden it's not an idea you're interacting with. Now they've, they were almost using human beings as shields in a way. And mm -hmm. especially if we can have them be attractive and also children. That's why I think that uh, a lot of this movement within kids is so prominent because again, oh, you're attacking a child. You know, how dare, nobody wants to attack a child. We can all agree on that that's not appropriate, but that's sure. the problem is by using human shields, that's what they're doing to protect ideology behind it. So that yes, there's very real hurt and brokenness. Yes, there's real gender dysphoria, but there are also cases of, like you said, exploitation that's going on. And because some folks are using human shields, now we can't interact with the ideology and that's problematic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, um, it's, it's gotten to the point now where pornography is recognized. I don't know how long this has been going on. I think it's fairly recent where, you know, more and more even, um, you know, secular studies and discoveries that that pornography um, addiction is a real thing. You yeah. know, talking about uh, pornography compulsion and addiction and stuff like that. And, you know, there's this thing, there's this idea that, um, you know, with men in particular, that's like, well, this is just the way guys are. Like, all guys are going to look at pornography. Yeah. It's like they have to. It's part of their makeup. Mm -hmm. It's part of who they are. And again, it just kind of goes back to the same conversation of, you know, all these things that we that we put in place to kind of excuse certain levels of behavior so that we can all just feel good and feel comfortable with each other. And so much of this is like it's just a, a mask or uh, something that we can put out there that says, well, if you don't if you don't accept this, if you're not OK with this, then you're just intolerant, you know? Yeah. And so I think that like tolerance, for example, is one of those words that's just been it's just been exploited. and It's been used to manipulate, <laughs> manipulate people where it's like, um, you know, I, I think that like like just the word tolerance like if someone yeah. tells you well you're just you're not tolerant you don't of, of who i am it's like like oh well that's actually not that's actually really not true mm -hmm. um w w the thing is like um i i love you i look at you and you're someone who's created in god's image mm -hmm. and and you're someone that that jesus loves that he actually loves so much that he laid his life down for you and so like as as a child of god as someone who follows jesus like like, I love you. Like, I want you to be free. I want you to have a good life. I want, I want you. To, so it has, this has nothing to do with like you as a person, but we've taken words and terminology and the whole identity conversation and all of that. Mm -hmm. We've taken all of these things where we've put them in a place where it's like, if you don't accept what I do, then you're not accepting me as a person. And that yeah. means that, you know, you're, you're hateful or even to the point of like, this is a hate crime or this is, um, you know, you're you're a bigot or you're biased or you're a racist or you're whatever. That whole thing drives me nuts, too, because yeah, I think everything's I mean, racist now. <laughs> the, the social justice. Oh, has my like, gosh. You know, yes. social justice has been like we take all of these issues and we put them all into the same category. Right. And so, you know, it's like if you if you're not tolerant of 
this type of lifestyle or whatever, like you're in the same category as someone who's racist. Like you're in the same yeah. category because it's all lumped into the the social justice conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, it's just yeah, like, no, it's, it's a total war of words, now. isn't it? And we're seeing that just with our discussion, right? Sex positivity. It's that like at first sound, it's oh wait a second, yeah, positive. I want to, you know, I'm I'm on board with that. Anything positive. It's only until you start looking at it, that you realize, wait a second. Is this really that positive? Same with tolerance. Tolerance meant that we could bear a, a different opinion and not rip each other to threads. I mean, that's shreds. That's just good discussion. Um, but people don't have that anymore. Now it's, okay, wait, if you don't agree, endorse, and advocate what I do, any of what I do, then you're you're not only wrong and bigoted, you, you need to be destroyed. Your livelihood needs to be gone. Fire you from your job. Right. I mean, you will have such right. a social media storm on you. Um, but again, that's just the inability to engage reasonably. And it, it is really sad. It really plays off um, feeding off emotion, right? Because if you can, if you can, um, if you can groom people and manipulate them by their emotion, you can steer them so easily. Mm, I mean, and yeah. because there's no forward thinking there, right? That's the, that's the amygdala reacting. So the amygdala, that's when we're young kids, right? That's why kids, uh, especially I have all boys in my house. So I, I say a lot of what were you thinking? And the fact is, is they were not thinking. They just said, wow, look yeah. at that. That looks like a good idea. Totally going to do it. And that's how they end up in a shopping cart going down a slide. You know, it's, um, there's, there's, it's just this emotional thinking of, okay, I'm going to lead by emotion. Well, that's how yeah. so much of our kids and our society has been groomed to think with emotion and to be emotionally manipulated. Heck, social media, so much of that is emotion led because again, it's not thinking it's just, Oh, let's react. Let's move. Let's join together. And wait a second, stopping and thinking with the prefrontal cortex, the critical thinking aspect of the brain that takes a lot longer. That takes actual practice. And especially for, for adults, it takes upwards of to the age of 26 to fully develop in males. It yeah. takes uh, yeah. 26 years old. But if you think about it, if they're coming from a worldly standpoint and they've only been groomed to think emotionally with that reaction, that knee-jerk reaction, of course, they're not going to be thinking well about these issues. But that's how people want you to think because then you're easily manipulated and controlled. That's why if you're ever in a discussion with somebody and things start things start getting heated, if you can ask them questions that require them to think, their anger level actually will start to go down. From In most cases, their anger will go down because now they're having to shift from reacting emotionally to thinking critically. And it, it's very important. But again, yeah, you see this manipulation of words, of toler intolerance, uh, tolerance, bigoted um, positivity. And so much of them, yeah, they're ad hominem attacks, they're character attacks. So that whole, oh, if you don't support me, then you're just a bigot. If you take out bigot, you could replace it with anything. It's just name calling. You know, it just is more socially um, accepted and promoted if we say the word bigot in there. And so, yeah, it's no, wait a second. Let's let's look and let's ask these questions. Let's go ahead and have these dialogues because I love you as a person. And if you're actually listening to what you're believing, they're saying the sum total of your identity is who you're sleeping next to. Well, what happens when that person changes or leave or you change or you decide, in fact, it's 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 so tragic, especially within the LGBTQ community, to where those who um, who have same attraction to the same sex, uh, they, they can't change those. I mean, it's just something that they have. And to where they're trying to adhere to the biblical standard of sexuality, they're actually vilified by their supposedly own community yeah. because now they're practicing yeah. self-hate. Oh, because you're not living out this lifestyle, you are actually self-hating. And so it's... It, it's so tragic that so many within this community 
they actually have a wedge put between them and the church by saying, oh no, the church is going to hate you as a person because they say now your sexuality is the sum total of who you are. So again, they're, they're putting themselves in between them and the only thing that can heal them, which is the creator. And it, it, there's so much brokenness and sadness, but again, there's also so much baggage and brokenness within the church too, to where even the church has to be careful and gentle about how they interact. That yeah. doesn't mean that they can't yeah. be any less faithful, but gosh, look at how Jesus interacted. Yeah. He tailored his approach mm -hmm. to each person he met, and he was very gracious to every single person. In fact, the only person he got or people he would get snippy with were the church leaders that were yeah. supposed to know better. And yeah. so it's Money. it's so important that for us, it, we... And I've, I've even heard Christians who say this is, oh, because I wrote a I wrote a blog post about the um, San Francisco Gay Men's Choir when they came, wrote that song, uh, We're Coming for Your Children. Uh, you know, I interacted with the, the worldview of that song and the statements that they made within the song, which they claimed were satire. They were not satire. They're actually how the agenda is currently working. You can find this on mamabearapologetics.com. And I actually had people say, you know, basically you weren't mean enough. I, I wanted more bite to you. And wait, wait a second. I, I get that. But how, what is that going to produce? We need to be able to interact. They are engaging in a worldview battlefield. We meet them on a worldview battlefield. Um, we can't just destroy the person. We have to go and engage the idea. And that's some of the some of the failings within the church, especially with purity culture, like I said, is they thought the the whole issue was just about having people not have premarital sex. No, that wasn't it. The issue was the worldview and trying to take it away from God. That's the problem. And you see that in Romans 1. The, the sexual debauchery, that was the last thing that happened. That happened after the mind was changed. So we have right. to be careful. Um, General Jim Mattis, he says the most important six inches of the battlefield are the six inches between your ears. And it's very important. We need to be engaging in the mind because it's mind first. Then all of us, I mean, I think, gosh, we can all think of a terrible decision we made. And it wasn't just like a knee jerk reaction. Like when we were kids, most of us had to kind of talk ourselves like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Oh, this will be okay. I'm totally going to do this. Right. We, we're so great at talking ourselves into things. And that's how we have to see this whole issue is, wait a second, we need to engage, not just uh, trying to put bodily, I, I'm going to say bodily restraints, but what I'm meaning is here, we're not trying to curb just action. We have to change mind first. Cause we, I know yeah. this is a terrible yeah. example to use in a discussion about sex. That's not what I'm meaning folks. Um, we have to, we have to engage the mind and change the mind because once the mind is changed, yeah. that's when we see a change in action. And that's when we see Satan taking a claim on our identity. It goes worldview, appetite, identity. That's how things go. And that's what we're seeing in the secular culture. They're making these identities claim by playing off the appetites. They're feeding in, oh, this is what you have to do. If you're a guy, these are just getting your needs fulfilled. They say that to girls too. Um, and uh, but and then from appetites, where did it start off first? Worldview. Oh, there are no bounds on sex. You can do whatever you want. This is a part of flourishing. So it goes flourishing. Now we're going to appeal to the natural uh, desires because again, read Song of Solomon, folks. The issue was not sex. Sex is good. Even desire for the couple, you know, the bride and and the groom. They were talking about their desire for each other before yeah. they were married. That's not the problem. The problem yeah. is how it's used and how it's how it's uh, yeah again how it's used. So here we go. We've got worldview. It goes appetite. And then we have an identity claim that's being made. 
Mm. Julie Slattery made this great point of the worldview, appetite, identity, and that's what we're seeing in here. And that's how we also need to bring it up to our kids. Discuss worldview first, talk about the good of appetites, but also the goodness within bounds and how that affirms the dignity and humanity that we have. Because again, pornography reduces the human person to an object. And we see sex positivity, The especially Demi Lovato. She encouraged her, all her listeners and viewers to, this is her quote, be sluts. That's what she told kids. Go ahead and make porn is what she said. Make porn. Um, go ahead and sleep around with who you want. Be sexual. That's just who you are. Okay. Well, what she's really saying is reduce yourself to an object to be used right. for the sexual gratification of strangers. Do whatever you want with your body. Why? Because if your body had value, you would have bounds on it. And no, there aren't any bounds, wow. which means there is no value. And so we have to help kids see the worldview behind these truth claims because the appetite is really strong. It's, it's very attractive. It's natural. It's how we're wired. But again, it's proper use of that appetite. Amy, do you think that the society would eventually get to the point where they see a need for a correction? Or do you think that this thing just keeps going further and further down? Now, I'm not talking about, I mean, of yeah. course, Jesus is the answer. God is, you know, like a biblical understanding of, of worldview and, and all of that. Like, like that, that is the answer that he, Jesus is the solution. But, you know, like what you just mentioned there with right. this statement of just, just, just be sluts, make porn, like, just do, like, do all this stuff. Like, yeah. like the permission that's coming from these sort of higher ups in society. Do you think there's mm -hmm. a point where society in general says, hold on a second. Like, I think we've actually gone too far. And I think that we are, um, we're actually hurting ourselves. Like, do you think there's a point where it, the pendulum swings so far in the mm -hmm. other direction that there's sort of a wake up that happens? Or do you think that we just kind of keep drinking the Kool-Aid and keep mm -hmm. going like deeper into this downward spiral? Yeah. Um, and uh, just wondering what you what you think about that. Yeah, I, I would. I know. I know. Right. And it's this, uh, it's so tragic. Honestly, unless they recognize the biblical standard, no, the Kool-Aid is just going to keep being drunk. And the reason I say that is because if you look and so if you look at, at and I don't recommend doing this. So there are companies, right, that uh, that have um, that make uh, sex toys and that sort of thing. And so often, uh, especially doing research for this book, I saw questions being posed to them by teens, young teens, I'm talking 13, 14. And they're saying, okay, well, I'm thinking about trying this out. And the companies were, oh, well, we don't judge based on age. You would think that the, the standard or the, the, the spot where people would say, no, we've gone too far as kids, right? Like you would, you would think that that would be where it's at, but it's not. And it goes even further than that. I believe it was, it was Holland. It was either Holland or Sweden. It's, it's very sexually forward, I would say, uh, within the positivity movement. So they have, it's, it's kind of like this claymation show now, um, for children. And it is a man who has a, I think it's like a 20 foot long penis. And what it is, is it's his misadventures as this penis has a life of its own. It's basically like a monkey tail, but on the front of him. And it's okay. the whole show is him running around town and he's in like this 1920s looking bathing suit, you know, like this with the stripes and everything. And he's running around town and, and there's um, instances where there's a little boy, a little boy character in the show who's eating an ice cream cone. 
And the penis goes and grabs the ice cream cone away from the boy and takes it away from him. Again, it's like a monkey tail, how they treat it. And this is a show that's being marketed toward kids. They see no problem with it. They go, oh, no, kids just think this is funny. You know, kids right. love physical comedy. Why wouldn't we use a penis? And so there's there's an, one episode to where this man, um, it's he uses it as a flagpole for to help his neighbor lady hang a flag. And it's oh, like, nice oh, my gosh, do we not see how just from a predator standpoint, okay, you have a show that's marketed toward children that say, oh, wow, if an adult male has his penis close to you, oh, that's something funny, that that there's no harm in that. Like, right. there's no even forward thinking right. to that. Like, okay, wait a second, this is now desensitizing and normalizing predatory behavior. They just say, oh, no, it's just funny. We just need to lighten up, is what they're saying. Um, and that's some of the advocates for it is, oh, no, this is just, you know, kids are just thinking this is funny. So I would love to say that, humanity in general would come to its senses. But if you just look at past culture, if you look at sin nature, mm. it doesn't stop with kids. It just, kids are gradually included within yeah. it. And, uh, and we're seeing that uh, within the new sex ed curriculum. It's, it's very obvious and overt. When we were kids, you know, you go through health class and we were told what sex was, we weren't taught how to have it. And right. that is now being right. changed now to where a lot, to where there are a lot of very, um, very, it's very aggressive. And I mean, even there's even books that I have found um, that are supposed to teach uh, what sex is. And it right. has cartoon drawings of small children masturbating and smiling. It has um, cartoons of everyone from young babies to elderly completely naked and hanging out together. And it's it they're trying to desensitize the human body toward nudity. It's okay. We shouldn't be shocked by nudity because bodies are beautiful. Okay. Bodies are beautiful, but they are also, uh, inherent with dignity and that dignity requires special treatment. And so again, we cover up to, uh, to honor that, but that's being stripped away now. So I would love to say that our culture um, will eventually wake up to it. They might, but only if they recognize that it's wrong. The only way they're able to recognize if it's wrong, if it's held to an objective standard, the only objective standard that actually stands is the biblical worldview. So they're going to have to affirm at least that aspect of the biblical worldview for this to stop its spiral. But as we're wow. seeing, um, and again, when we think of um, even innocuous things like fashion, right? Fashion comes first from Europe and ends up making its way here. If you've ever read Jane Austen, you know, they'd be so excited about all the all the things that are coming in from Paris and that sort, all the new fashions. Well, now we're seeing this fashion of sexually graphic material for kids being, again, uh, portrayed in sort of this harmless child manner of, oh, this is just so silly. He can't control his penis. Like, come on, folks. You would think that that would send off warnings. But again, with desensitization, not all desensitization is bad, but it is in this case. And we're seeing this now happening in our more sexually forward countries within Europe. I'm sorry, eventually it's probably going to end up coming here. We're seeing it with Pixar movies that are advocating LGBTQ um, issues and agendas promoting this sort of thing. So it's it's starting to creep into kids' cartoons. Again, like we saw with Bubble Guppies and Blues Clues, we have drag queens on Bubble Guppies and Blues Clues. Come on, folks. Um, it's, it's already being groomed toward little kids. So we're already there, unfortunately. And what I want to say, um, cause I think a lot of knee jerk reaction is, okay, now we just need to break up with TV altogether, which if you want to go Amish, if you're called to by God to go Amish, then, you know, okay. But, uh, don't, don't stop there. Right. Because if you're not teaching your kid how to right. recognize and understand the secular and biblical worldview, you've only succeeded in making your kid an easier target. And honestly, wow, you're not going to succeed because eventually it's going to, it's going to meet your kids anyways. So 
there was a great study with um, with kids who Christian kids who were there was one group of Christian kids that were kept in the bubble and another group of Christian kids that were raised by parents who would maybe allow them to watch age appropriate but you know characters that were engaging in inappropriate behaviors or risky behaviors and the parents who let their kids watch that what they would do is they would stop and pause and discuss the implications of those actions with their kids so they followed these kids and what they found is when these kids reached adults the bubble kids lost their minds in in uh college and once they got yeah. out of the home the kids who were actually raised to interact with this material had less risky behavior perfect advocation of deuteronomy 410 he said to teach these precepts unto our kids so that they can carry them out so that they can live out god's design that word teach is like we said in an earlier podcast lemad training with the implication of putting it into use folks we need to do sexuality and teach sexuality from a worldview standard so that our kids know how to put this ideology, put these critical thinking skills to use so they can be effective wow. for the kingdom, not victims. Wow. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-up questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first follow-up question would be, okay, so if, if you see, you know, on, based on the, the, the trends of society that typically speaking, like, left unchecked that mm -hmm. society in general will probably just keep going further and further into depravity and just you know further and further probably like putting the stamp of approval on uh -huh. things that are like this is acceptable this is fine uh -huh. um so society as a whole but yeah. do you think that people in general would probably like even even if society is telling us and like desensitizing us and society is telling us that like no like like, this is fine. You don't have to. There's no judgment here. Don't feel mm -hmm. bad about this. Like, this is fine. You know, we can have these shows where like, just, I mean, this is that this is the example. Like, like, you know, if the penis is coming at you and like taking your ice cream cone, like, OK, don't worry about it. If anybody like tuned in right there, that would they'd be like, like, what is this podcast um, about? You got to rewind it, folks. <laughs> context. context. But, yeah. Um, but do you think that so when we come from the other side and we have a biblical worldview, do you mm -hmm. think that because of how far, because I, I'm sort of of the, of the belief that, um, cause I see it happen over and over again, how the enemy, you know, we have to recognize like the enemy is behind, you know, the, the stuff that's going on. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. The There's enemy, a the spiritual warfare is huge, especially within sexuality. Yeah. The enemy like always overplays his hand. Mm. And so I don't think I, I think that there's this tendency within the church for us to become impressed by what the enemy is doing instead of being impressed with how big our God is. Yeah. And how and, and, and I think that if we keep our minds and our hearts fixed on God and on who he is and like we have people like you and Hillary and the mama bears and there's I know there's other organizations that you all and, and even churches and, and leaders and ministries that you all partner with and. You know, I, if we if we learn how to combat this the right way, biblically, not mm -hmm. like retreating, not, um, you know, labeling other people as, you know, sinners that are all going to hell. But like, we're, you know what I mean? Like not separating yeah, yeah. ourselves from the world, but learning how to engage properly. It right. seems to me that with all of the stuff, all of the darkness, all the negativity going on, like like the darker the darkness, the more that the light shines. Yeah. Right. And so I think that even though society in general as a whole, like is probably going deeper and deeper and, you know, darker places that the individual person, because of how dark, you know, things are and, and, and how dark things are getting, 
that the individual person might be even because of that more susceptible with a with a hunger for something that mm-hmm. is real, that is authentic, that is true. Um, yeah. And so I think that when we learn how to model um, model a biblical lifestyle and to live out a biblical worldview and to again like not cast. Um, Uh, I was going to make up a word just now, like ostracize people or put people into a group where it's like us versus them. And, you know, when we learn how to engage with people and have conversations and that I think when people too see the life of a believer who, you know, is living um, from a place of understanding that their identity only comes from one place and it's, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's in Christ, you know, um, that, that they can, that we might be able to spark a hunger, a desire for truth, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to feeling, you know, again, like impressed by the size of the problem rather mm-hmm. than impressed by how big God is, like how, and, and he lives within us. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that the world as, as much as society does work from an ideology and, and just seems like to go further and further in that direction of trying to unravel things and make things just more, you know, loose and whatever, and yeah. to redefine freedom into something that it's that it's not and that it was never meant to be, that people are always going to be looking for truth and looking for something that's authentic and looking for something that's real. Um, and so now more than ever, I would say that what you and, and what this book is accomplishing and what the mama bears are doing and others like you of uh, teaching us how to just have these interactions with people and how to dialogue and how to have good conversations and how to live from a standpoint of knowing who God is, knowing who we are in him and learning how to live that out um, in real ways and practical ways where we engage with culture. I think now more than ever, it's so needed. And Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, again, I really do believe that so often the enemy just overplays his hand. And if we won't buy into the lie, but we'll keep, you know, shining for, for truth and proclaiming the truth and the good news of Jesus Christ, that um, we really do have an opportunity to um, win people and to, you know, uh, influence people in a positive way to see who God is and to see truth, you know, for what, for what truth really is. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things that came to mind when you were, when you were talking and there was a, there was a car commercial. I don't remember if you see it. It was a few years ago and I always thought this was so neat is this car commercial was talking about how the human eye can pick up the flame of a candle from a mile away. And so like you were saying, the enemy plays its hands and sometimes we can be so intimidated by the dark that we forget that it gives an opportunity for the brightness to shine through. I mean, even TVs being developed now, the big thing is, oh, how do we make color stand out? We have to have a darker background. Sometimes we shine the brightest and a person can shine the brightest in immense darkness and gosh isn't that like a harry potter quote (laughs) i'm pretty sure dumbledore said something um to that effect but uh but no it's scripture and it's it's beautiful because yes we need to be careful that we're not intimidated by how big Satan can appear because God is always bigger. I mean, good, good night. Just look at how David interacted with Goliath and just being in the face of immense uh, persecution, how his light can shine through. And it is so possible. So we do, it's, we need to take our eyes off the storm and put them back on Jesus. If we're going to walk on, on the water. Right. And so getting information like this is so helpful because again, it can feel so overwhelming because we're surrounded by it, right? It's not like we're going to flip on the, I mean, unless you put it on like the 700 club, you're not going to find a lot of biblical stuff on your TV when you flip the channels, you know, it's going to be the secular stuff, but 
don't let that distract you from the fact that there are immense resources out there to equip and make you effective for the kingdom. And, uh, and two, yeah, it's one of the, one of the things we need to recognize is, and I think one of the great ways uh, Satan kind of pulls people and makes them ineffective for the kingdom is they get, he gets people to attack people and not recognize the ideas. And one of the things we cover in this book is we're, we're not dealing necessarily with, um, with evil people. We're dealing with captives of a false ideology. And especially when you think in the nature of Stockholm syndrome, right? Yeah. People who have Stockholm syndrome, they're going to defend their captor, especially when we think of someone putting that on their identity claim. Uh, they're going to, they're going to say, no, this is the sum total of my identity. I have to protect this at all costs. It takes a lot more care and intention and grace with those folks to help them realize, wait a second, you're actually, you're, you're actually being held captive here. Look at what it's saying about who you are. Now, this can be years in the process. I mean, that's one thing that we have to recognize is, yes, the gospel is effective and it's powerful. And there are people who have, on the very first time of hearing the gospel, have accepted Christ as their savior. But so often God puts us as sort of tenders of this garden to where sometimes we're pulling up weeds. Sometimes we're planting the soil. Sometimes we're watering the soil. Um, Sometimes we're there to kind of help a, a busted plant to back on its uh, go up, grow upright again. Is we have to recognize yeah. that this is this is a ministry and this is a lifelong sexuality. We say worldview; it's all about discipleship. This is a lifelong process, and so we have to recognize that our war isn't necessarily with people, but the ideology. And we have to be able to lovingly but gently correct and interact with people to expose the ideology, especially if that has become their false god, and wow. especially with a lot of these ideologies. They are making false identity claims. And when you say this one thing is the sum total of my identity, to ask somebody to give that up is a huge ask. Like they are just not going to be like, okay, let me just go ahead and ditch everything yeah. I've ever known and yeah. taught and go for this. No, 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 no. That's where you have to show them, okay, how only true life and fulfillment can be found in Christ. It can't be found in these other things. And that might take a while. And it may not be something that you actually see the fruits of. We have to be okay with the fact that the Holy Spirit's in control, not us, right? We just have to be faithful witnesses. And so, so yeah, it's we can make, I think, a dramatic shift within this culture is not only being present in it. A lot of the problems that we're seeing within culture today, especially the entertainment industry, is because the church has stepped out of culture. That's a problem. We need to be in it because we have stepped out. We have lost ground. And as anyone who's ever been in battle or even played a video game knows, if you lose ground, it's harder to take it back. You have to put more effort into it. Um, and so we have to recognize that, okay, we're going to have to take ground. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. It's going to take effort. We have to be pouring into people. We have to recognize that people aren't necessarily the enemy. The ideology behind it is. So that requires worldview engagement and recognizing that we are capable, even in our small selves, uh, selves of making a difference for the kingdom. We may not see it, but God does. And that's what truly matters. We fight not against flesh and blood, but pr against principalities and powers and of, forces of darkness in heavenly places. You know, as God's people, any time that we, that we find ourselves fighting against people, then that should just tell us right there that we're directing our fight in the wrong place. Um, and we'll have disagreements and we'll have, yeah. you know, differing opinions and worldviews and stuff like that. And the world is making it more and more um or trying to anyway make it more and more difficult for you to actually dialogue with people you know like woke culture and oh yeah um you know with like cancel culture and all this kind of stuff it's like if if you're one of those if you think that way if you're less tolerant if you're whatever then like you're not supposed to engage or interact with those people at all yeah and uh 
Which know, is a brilliant I, tactic of the enemy. Like, yeah. no, you're not <laughs> supposed to talk to those people because then you might actually, you know, experience sure. truth and any truth you experience is yeah. Jesus. So yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's effective currently, but it's also one that can be defeated through Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so never, um, don't, you know, ever direct um, your fight against people because God loves people. God died for every single one of them. You know, the, those that have, in your opinion, maybe they have a completely opposite viewpoint. Maybe they stand for everything that you stand against or stand against everything that you stand for, but they're still valuable. And, yeah. um, and they're still, they, they, they're still worth Jesus giving his life for. And so, um, yeah, I think that's something that we all have to keep in mind is that, you know, whatever we're doing, however we're going about having these conversations and, and dialoguing with people that people, the, the person that's on the other side of that viewpoint or ideology that you disagree with is so valuable. And, um, you know, whether or not you think they deserve your respect and your honor and whatever, like the, the point is that you don't deserve it either. Like none of us do, but because of who we are, because of whose image we're created in, um, that it should be a part of who we are to demonstrate honor and to demonstrate the love of Christ to every single person. So, yeah, Amy, I'm just <laughs> going to pull this book up on the screen here for anybody watching that can see it. Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to Understand and Live out god's what say design god's design yeah <laughs> i know it's god. super tiny writing yeah it got like super small right well just for me because it's like my screen's a little far away but anyway um yeah for for sure i i can't recommend it enough it's available for sale for purchase on amazon ebook and paperback format is it available anywhere else that you would point people or yeah actually target um target is selling it we have it available at christianbooks.com and christian books i believe right now has it for 50 percent off so you may want to check that out uh you can get a good discount so yeah it's pretty much wherever major books are sold um i'm not sure if hobby Lo I, hobby lobby selling the first one i'm not sure if they are selling this one but yeah definitely amazon christian books target you can reach it at so yeah, the audio, the audio book is coming. It's actually being recorded right now. So that's going to take a little bit to get out, but, um, but it is available in paperback and I believe digital copy. That's awesome. Are you and Hillary reading for the, or, um, yeah, are you using your voices for the audiobook or somebody else? Hillary's reading it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. So she's, she's recording that right now. And, oh, and I just want to say that chemical I was talking about, I said it, D, I was thinking of dopamine. Um, I was actually, it's vasopressin. That's the one for the guys. That's the bonding for the guys. So oxytocin is primarily for women, vasopressin's for guys. So I had to look okay. it up. I'm like, that word was bugging me, but yeah, you can get a, get our book, um, very quickly through Amazon or, or Christian books. And yeah, it's just a, we hope it'll be a blessing. That's awesome. I always learn so much from our conversations and, uh, talking with you, it just challenges me to think better you know <laughs> and uh i know like for for any of us but i'm just gonna talk about myself like i know i could be so limited sometimes in in the way that i think and so one of the major blessings about doing this podcast has been able being able to talk with people and have conversations that go beyond like my area of expertise and what i understand and things like that and i, I really value um the conversations that that we've had, Amy, I really value, you know, this this time. And I think that, um, you know, you really brought out some some serious truth that's going to be a blessing to a lot of people. So thank you so much. Is where, where else would we 
Uh, would you point somebody to that just wants to find out more about who you are, you and or the Mama Bears, Mama Bear Apologetics, and uh, just to find out more, check out some other resources in addition to the book? So we've got a great resource list on our website. Uh, but yeah, mamabearapologetics.com is the easiest way to, to reach us. Um, I'm also... I'm on social media a bit. I'm I'm probably not the I don't uh, interact too much with like any sort of the the negative stuff. It's just kind of pointless to me. But uh, yeah, 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 at yeah. Twitter, you can reach me. It's I'm at salt the letter N and then Grace four six. Um, that's how you can reach me on on Twitter and and yeah, you know it's it's uh, it's one of those to where we I we really love this ministry and we really love helping and equip others and I'll even send you like a book list because I I'd done a I'd done a talk at my church and uh, I had done up a, a great book list for anyone who wants to know specifically in the area of sexuality if you want other resources to go and pour into um, hands down recommend love thy body. Um, and uh, there's a fantastic book by Nancy Piercy, but I'll send you a list, Duke. And that way, if anybody contacts you and they want more resources, particularly to this issue, you can just like shoot them an email to that. So, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, we're reachable through that website. We, we love ministering to others and helping others. And just if you have a question or a concern, you know, we, we write emails back and forth to other moms and parents who said, okay, well, I'm encountering this issue. You know, what do you think? And we're available on Facebook too, Mama Bear Apologetics. Uh, on Facebook, you can reach us, message us. Uh, a lot of times it's one of us Mama Bears that'll that'll pick up even on the messenger. And, you know, we're we're always willing to, to help build others up and to point them to resources that can can help get them the answers that they're looking for. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for being here. Thanks for taking the time to listen, watch, however you consume this podcast. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, if it blessed you, if it added any value to your day, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, I would super appreciate that. But make sure, most of all, that you uh, check out this new book, Mama Bear, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. Um, it's awesome. And uh, and uh, it's, it's already out there doing great things and it's going to impact um, the world, I think, in a, in a really uh, tremendous and powerful way. So thank you again, Amy. Really appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Always, Luke or Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you are not the first person who's done that, I'm by the sure way. I'm, I'm not. Sure. And it was just one of those slips. Like, I know who you are. So <laughs> <laughs> you almost made it through. We were almost. Like, and then I screwed it up right at the end. Right, like, right, seriously, right, Amy, right, get right, it together. This is we're just gonna have to re-record the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, like this is all scrapped now. I'm I gonna go and eat two hours on your hands. I know, I know. I'm gonna have to go eat my Columbus Day turkey in shame now because I messed up your name in the last five minutes. <laughs> I need to get a Columbus Day turkey. That's I'm awesome. it's gonna happen now. It's gotta be a thing. It's like it's like practice for Thanksgiving, right? So any excuse yeah. to have gravy. Yeah, we opened our <laughs> presents last night on Columbus Day Eve. That's how you ha you really so. should. You got to sing the Columbus yeah. carols, you know? <laughs> it's Columbus <laughs> carols. <laughs> this needs to be a thing, people. Come on. I know some of you are creative. Have, like like write some Columbus carols. Uh, cookies, cakes. And the Santa Maria. This needs to <laughs> that would be so great. <laughs> Everybody's got their little hats. Oh my gosh. This could be a thing. This could be a movement. We need to start this. This needs to be I on Pinterest. It's, I think it's already starting. <laughs> it's like when we brought back the fanny pack. Oh gosh, that yeah. was a terrible decision. We, like, I'm sorry, that one just needs to go. Like that and mom jeans. I'm like, no, no one thinks that's a good idea. Like nobody ever. It just looks like you time traveled to 1995 and stole jeans from your fat uncle. It's just not cute. <laughs> But you know what's crazy though is that like the fanny pack somehow it got like bigger. 
Like you would. Well, think. and do you see people wear it across themselves now? Like it's not even yeah. across the waist. Like it's somehow cooler if you strap it to the front of your chest. Like I don't know, you're a marsupial. Yeah, <laughs> marsupial. <laughs> this is called winning as an adult. Like I yes, have all my yes. stuff right here. Yeah, like, all my stuff just, right here with a side all, zip. It's all accessible. Let me pull out my wallet. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is terrible. Uh, store some mints. <laughs> thank you, Amy. Appreciate you again. Um, You're welcome, dude. And uh, I'm I'm not I'm not done here with with this. So like I would I I know I I tell you this every time, but I'd love to do this again at some point. So um, of course, can, I, I know on Flag Day we got to do it. <laughs> we can talk. When is Flag Day, by the way? I think it's like in April. Idea. It seems like it would be like in the spring. Seems yeah, like. it, it does. It does seem like it because you got to have the breeze. Right. And so, yeah, I'll have a flag behind a couple of flags. And maybe like Arbor Day could be Arbor Day. I OK, so I like trees. So I'm in favor of like some Arbor Day stuff. Like I'm going to wear a squirrel costume. It's just I literally remember being in school because like I went to Christian school when I was in my younger years. And mm -hmm. um, I remember like so we had really small classes and I remember like literally going outside and like planting trees. Yeah. Do you remember how the schools used to give the little pine trees? Like they would have like the little paper cup with the pine tree and you're supposed to go home and plant it. So many trees died because they got left in kids' backpacks. Like it just, it was a, it was a great <laughs> effort that like just didn't work Dirt and, and pine needles. I know. They're like, what just around. happened here? Yeah. No. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Love Arbor Day. Mm. We're going to, yeah. That's that's what we got to do. We got to meet on the next like random holiday to wear. And I know there's stuff like every day now has a thing. There's like Reese's there peanut butter cup. Every, for, yeah. yeah. There's like a Frisbee day, like National Frisbee day. There's like Okay. Like ev everything you can imagine. Those guys at the park are like, "Yeah, Frisbee day." <laughs> yeah, like yeah, for sure. That's that's my people. <laughs> for <right there>. sure. <laughs> for sure, bro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is awesome. I love it. I hope people are tuning in right now and they're like, what is this about? <laughs> they're just rambling about random stuff. Yeah, this is we're we're subscribing just for the randomness of this. Please. Hey, if that's what gets you here, I'm happy. We'll talk about there random will, stuff all day long. There will be there will be some at, at some point there will be some worthwhile content on this channel <laughs> right now. We're just talking be like about flickers. <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch all the way through every once in a while oh, there'll be a God. little nugget of truth yeah. surrounded by this kind of stuff yeah Probably how i should do it it's like the bloopers at the end of the movie like everybody likes the movie but they stick in their seats True. at the to see all the randomness that happens at the end and that's what this is it's just like columbus day arbor day flag day yeah we're gonna do it uh all right well happy columbus day to you, Amy, and to everybody so who's much. listening, watching. Appreciate you guys. You're awesome. Have fun celebrating. Um, send enjoy your the pictures. festivities. <laughs> yes, send <laughs> your pictures. Put it up on the on the gram. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Do it for the gram. Day pictures. Yeah. Bonus points if you have a tricorn hat. Like seriously, I'll send you a book if you have a tricorn hat. <laughs> That's gonna bite me. I'm I'm poor. Please don't send me a lot of pictures. Thousands, thousands of books. <laughs> thousands of books with all these tricorn tabs. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, the first person who sends it to me, I'll send it to. Her. There we go. Yeah, there you go. First person. That's first person. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's, all right. We'll uh, see you later, Duke. Appreciate you. Take care. Bye. Bye, everybody.